Praise God. The second chapter of the book of Acts, we're going to read the last part of the chapter this morning, starting in verse number 42. Amen. Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. We need a pattern for the church and we know that we have the pattern in the word of God. Amen. Out in, uh, over in North Carolina, Cape Hatteras, North Carolina, there is a lighthouse there. It's been there since... 1869, that lighthouse, uh, over the years, more than 100 years, the shoreline, the coastal line there has eroded all those years until at one time it used to be, it was uh, a half a mile from the coast to the lighthouse. But because of the erosion of the coastal line, it got within 160 feet of that Lighthouse, So the lighthouse was in jeopardy. And so the Army Corps of Engineers decided to move it. And they did. It weighed 4,800 tons. But they moved it a half a mile away from the coastline so that the, so that the lighthouse would not be jeopardized. Now, there's a lot of erosion going on in our world today. There's a lot of destruction in our world. Our culture is, is anti-God, anti-Christian, anti-Bible. And uh, so we need to make sure that we have the pattern and that it's uh, the pattern that's found in the example of that early church. When I say a pattern for the Pentecostal church, I'm talking about the church that was born on the day of Pentecost. The church that was started, that, that was birthed out of that outpouring there in Acts chapter 2 gives the account of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon all those that were waiting in Jerusalem. There was the sound of a rushing mighty wind. The Spirit of God came with tongues of fire and sat upon all of them that were waiting. They spake with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Then Peter stood up and preached a Holy Ghost anointed message and as a result of that message 3,000 souls were saved. All of Jerusalem was buzzing 
with the activity that was happening that year in uh, in in Jerusalem. And you know, when you read the, the text here in Acts chapter two, there was something like sixteen different nationalities that were there. The population at that time of Jerusalem was around forty thousand people, but during the feast time. They believed it probably swelled to as big as 250,000 people that were in Jerusalem at that time. Around 16 different languages, people were there from Persia, which is now Iran. They were from Rome and Italy. They were all over Greece. They were there from Asia. They were there from, from uh, all of the known world at that time. They were there visiting in the city of Jerusalem Jerusalem was a center of, re of religious activity. And even though a lot of people that came were not necessarily Jews, they were just coming because they, they wanted to try to get close to God. They wanted to hear from God. They wanted to be in, in a place where God was working and, and moving in the lives of people. But after... The Bible says it was noised abroad. The whole city heard of what was going on. So all these thousands of people that were gathered there, they witnessed it or heard about it. And, and uh, there was the excitement of the move of God and the outpouring of the Spirit of God. But then they all had to go home. Then they all had to make their journey, their trek back to their home. Some of them hundreds and thousands of miles back to their home. And, um, but the Bible says in our text here, verse 42 today, it says, they continued steadfastly. They continued steadfastly. And that just simply means that they were persistent, they were active, they, they continued, there was no break. What they experienced in Jerusalem, that it continued in their life in, in, uh, in Rome, in Asia, in Greece, in uh, Italy, and wherever that they went back home to, they continued steadfastly. It just means they stayed at it. They were actively continuing in, what, in the experience and uh, that they were firm in it, unwavering, determined to continue in this experience of, uh, of this wonderful outpouring of the Spirit of God that was upon them. And the church was born there in Jerusalem in this outpouring of the Spirit of God. But it didn't stay in Jerusalem. It went to all these other regions of the world at that time. But they stayed faithful to it. Now here we are 2,000 years later. And I, I wonder if Paul visited the modern church or Peter visited the modern church, what they would think about it. What they would think about what's happening generally across the country in, uh, the, would, would it resemble anything uh, to the book of Acts and to the, to the Acts experience? Sad to say, in many cases, I'm convinced that it doesn't resemble at all what was happening in Acts chapter 2. But I believe that it is our commitment and our desire here at this location, in this local church, uh, to, to stay as close as we can to the pattern that was given to us on the day of Pentecost to have a church of, that is furthering the cause of, of the gospel and we're doing so under the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon our lives. 
Amen. And the gospel goes forth in the power of the Spirit of God. We want to stay at it. We want to be persistent and continuing as they were in this experience. I have a firm conviction, and I've said this many times over the years. I believe that the local church is the only hope of the world. I believe that the answer to the problems, the ills of our nation right now is because many have turned away from God, turned away from the church, turned away from the things of God, and it's led to some of the the darkness and the, the wickedness that we see prevailing so much in our world right now, in our nation right now. It's a rejection of God that has brought us to this place. But the only stabilizing force that's available in our world today is the church of the living God. Amen. So we need to make sure that what we're doing and how we're actively ministering and and the ministries that we're involved in, that it's something that uh, resembles the pattern of Acts chapter 2. Amen. That we're living according uh, to the pattern of the word of the Lord. So let's look at it here in this verse 42. This is what they continued steadfastly doing. They went back to their homes, back to their cities. And, um, you know, this was before there were churches built and before, but they went back to their home areas, their own home communities, and they stayed faithful to the experience that they had in Jerusalem. And all these years later, 2,000 years later, we still have the pattern. It's given to us in the book of Acts. So as the church... We need, to, we need to align ourselves to the pattern of God's word. Amen. Praise the Lord. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, first of all. The apostles spoke by revelation. They had the Old Testament. They didn't have the New Testament yet. But God was revealing himself to them. And all of the New Testament is the, is the revelation given to the apostles as they scribed it, wrote it down. Holy men of old wrote as the Spirit of God gave them the ability to write it down. So it came first by divine revelation and then they wrote as they were inspired of the Holy Ghost. They wrote down the the pages of the New Testament. Now you and I have uh, this wonderful pattern of God's Word. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Amen. Today we have the Word of God. We have the Scripture, God's Word. It's inerrant. It's infallible. It's the only guide for our lives. It's the only direction for our lives. Within the pages of the Word of God, there is an answer to every problem. In the pages of God's Word, there is a solution. There is a cure. There is the counsel that we need of the Lord the direction on how, to, how to, uh, to, to carry on our daily lives, how to do business, how to direct your family, how to direct your, your, your marriage, how, how to take care of your finances. And I could go on and on. Every area of need of your life is revealed to us in the Word of God. That's why we need to continue steadfastly in the Apostles' Doctrine. The Word of the Lord. It is the counsel of the Lord. It is the instruction that we need for every area of our life. That's how important that the Word of God is. That's why that we preach it on Sunday, on Sunday night, on Wednesday night. That's why we teach it in Sunday school classes. That's why it's communicated in the youth 
a group and in our Christian school and every, you remove the word of God and we don't have much left because everything that we follow, everything that we believe is all contained in God's word. And it's our desires to instill it in the hearts of, of every man and woman and every young person and every child because it's the only hope for them is to know the truth, to know the truth of the word of God. Proverbs 30 and 5 says, every word of God is pure. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Add not unto his words, lest he reprove thee. There's more than one word warning in the scripture about adding to or taking away from the word of the Lord. You know, everything in the word of God is not, is not uh, what's a good word? It's not palatable. <laughs> it don't feel good. It don't taste good. And some of you, you know, I don't know. There's certain foods I can eat just about anything. But pickled beets, I can't do it. I just can't do it. And they say they're so healthy. They're so good for you. And I've tried them. But I'm telling you, they just don't do it for me. I cannot hardly take pickled beets. Some people have problems with other types of foods. And, and there's some things in the Word of God that when it's preached and it's taught, I mean, it just goes against the grain. It's, it's hard to swallow. It's hard to take. But I want you to know, it's good for you. It's good for you. It's spiritually healthy for you. It will, it will instruct you in righteousness. It will lead you in the right way. It is a pattern that God has given to us. Amen. Sad to say, there are churches across the country that are changing their message to fit the culture. What's happening in our culture today. And so they're adjusting the message. But every word of God is pure. This is the word of God. It's infallible. It's inerrant. It is pure. It is right. And it's, it's, the, uh, it's the answer and the cure. Uh, there's so many wild and perverted things that are going on right now in our country. It's mind-boggling to me how that we have gotten to this place. The only answer is a rejection of the word of God. Removing it from the courthouse, removing it from the school classrooms, removing it, removing it from uh, every uh, area of public uh, domain, every, getting rid of it as much as possible. And we are, we are living right now in a culture where to be a Christian, it may begin to cost us something. Up to this point, for the most part, we've been able to live for the Lord and have a testimony of our Christian faith and but we're now living in a country that's moving quicker and quicker toward an anti-Christ uh, spirit and against the word of the Lord. Our early forefathers, they knew the value of the word of God. It was, it was intertwined and interwoven in the, in the Constitution. It was interwoven uh, in our government uh, and uh, in the laws of our land. And uh, when you visit... Uh, uh, the capitals, even state capitals or the U.S. capital, you'll see God's word engraved in many places throughout uh, in all these public places. I'm surprised that they haven't been removed yet, but it's still a reminder that I, the history of this nation was founded on the apostolic doctrine, the word of the Lord. 
the, uh, the apostles' doctrine. And so we must not turn away from it. It's foundational uh, to know the Word of God, to preach the Word of God, to emphasize the Word of God. I know I'm an older guy, but uh, when I was in public school in the fourth grade, I remember my teacher uh, had us not only reading the Scripture in the morning, but memorizing portions of Scripture. This was in the public elementary school. We memorized the Bible as a part of our classroom activity in the public school. That was in the early 60s. And so you can imagine what would happen now if some teacher tried to, to, to do that uh, today in, in uh, the public uh, school because it's been banned, the things of God, the Word of God. Uh, and so we read it, we even memorized it, but today uh, God is removed from the public, removed from schools, removed from government, removed from the courthouse, and now we have instead um, um, drag queens reading Bible, uh, bringing stories to children in libraries and all this transgender mess that's going on and many other things that's going on in our nation right now and it's all the result of turning away from the apostles' doctrine, from turning away from the word of the Lord. That's why we need, foundationally, we have to be people of the Bible. Amen. People of the word of God. So read it, study it, meditate on it, memorize it, hide it in your heart. Put it in the hearts of your children. Make sure that they know the truth of the word of the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Timothy, Paul said to Timothy that from a child you've known, you've known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise unto salvation. People will not see their need to get saved until they are face to face with the word of God. It's able to make you wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete or perfected, that he might be matured, complete, that the man of God may be complete, matured, thoroughly equipped for every good work. All that you need to succeed as a man of God, a woman of God, a young person for God is to hide the word of God in your heart. That's foundational. Amen. That's a part of the pattern that's laid out here in Acts chapter 2. They continued steadfastly, it says, in the apostles' doctrine, then number two, in fellowship. The word fellowship there is the Greek word kanoia. And that word is found more than 20 times in the New Testament. And it's a little bit difficult to completely describe it. But it just means closeness, relationship, togetherness, uh, caring for one another, sharing with one another, united in a common bond. It's interesting to me in the church, and I've been to a lot of places, even uh, different nations of the world and gone to church, but there is still this commonness, this unity of the Spirit with people that you've never seen or known before. Just because they know the same God you know and they're living for Jesus like you're living for Jesus, then there is this fellowship, this kanoia that happens when that fellowship 
takes place. I think we learned really very uh, vividly during the COVID situation that we cannot make it on our own. We cannot, as Christians, it's not the will of God to be, be isolated. Now, thank God for the live stream. And for those of you that are watching it today, we have, we have a live stream, stream audience every Sunday. And we're glad that, that you're watching. But I want you to know it's not the same. It's not like being here with the people of God. Because I know that I can step out here and say, now, folks, I'm in need today. I'm going through something right now. I need you to help me. And I know that there's a body of people here. They're going to get behind me. They're going to pray for me. And we're going to do the same for you in your trouble and in your sickness and in your situation that you're up against. Amen. Because there's this wonderful fellowship. Amen. They continued steadfastly. They didn't think they could make it on their own. They, know, they knew that they needed the people of God. They knew they needed the fellowship and the unity and the commonness uh, that, uh, and the closeness that had to come from working together and praying together and fellowshipping together. You can't make it on your own. Brother Cartwright told us last week that uh, during the COVID situation, his, his uh, mother uh, lives in England and... Uh, because of the situation, she, her, his dad had been in, in a nursing facility that was really nice before COVID. Uh, and she wanted to go there too because she wanted to be with him and she wanted to be with the other, other people. Uh, but uh, as soon as she uh, moved in, just shortly after she moved into that home, her husband, Brother Stephen's father, passed away. And then COVID came. And they were so strict in England that they would not even allow the people to come into her room. No one could come into her room. And they would just open the door enough to slide the food in. And she went for weeks and months and never had interaction with anybody. And after a few months, she died. And he said she didn't die of COVID. She died of loneliness. She died of being isolated by herself in that, that situation. And he could do nothing about it because of the strict uh, uh, the, the, the restrictions that were placed upon those living in England. He, there was nothing that he could do about it, and she died all by herself. And you know that happened all over the world? That happened all over our country where people were so isolated that they died. We were not created to be by ourselves. And as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, oh, how much we need one another. We need one another. And we're better because we have one another. Amen. We, we improve ourselves. We learn more than we can learn. Iron sharpeneth iron. And uh, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend when we are together with other people and especially with other believers. This is foundational to the apostolic doctrine. They continued in the word and they continued in fellowship. Amen. Praise God. For those of you that uh, have been around church a long time, like I have most of my life, uh, uh, my, my friendships, my closest friendships are among the body of Christ. 
Amen. I've got family that don't know the Lord. I'm talking about blood relatives that they don't serve the Lord. And I love them. I'm concerned about them. I want them to come to the Lord. But when I'm around them, I kind of feel like a stranger to them because they're, they live in a different world than I do. I went to see some of my family last summer that I hadn't seen in, in many years. And I care about them. I love them. I want them to know the Lord. But they just live such a different life. And we don't have much in common. And, and, uh, but when I get around people like you, you're not my blood relatives, but uh, we are brothers and sisters in the Lord. That there's a, there's a unity, there's a commonness, there's a bond that we have. And it's, it's proper and biblical for us to stay in fellowship one with another. Amen. Praise the Lord. Especially, the Bible says in Galatians... As we have the opportunity, let's do good unto all men. That's the right thing to do. Do good unto all men, but especially unto them who are the household of faith. That just means you pay special attention to the, your brothers and your sisters in the Lord. To minister to them, to encourage them, to bless them, to help them. That doesn't mean you don't care about everyone else. You do. We do. And we have a burden for the lost. And we want to reach out to those in the world. But uh, there is something special that we need in fellowship. Yes. Amen. Praise God. Then the scripture that we all familiar with from Hebrews 10 and 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Some were doing it in Paul's day, or he wouldn't have said that. Some have already got into this bad habit of not fellowshipping together. Uh, don't forsake, uh, but instead exhort one another. The word literally means encourage one another. Encourage one another. Amen. You know, there may be some day when you're feeling like, I, I just, I don't feel like going to church. I'm down. I'm discouraged. I'm uh, I just, I don't feel like going. Well, remember, it's not all about you. It's also about those brothers and sisters that are there when you get there. And you may not feel like you have much to offer, but just your presence, just you being there in that pew, just a little word of encouragement, just a handshake and, uh, and a God bless you. Oh, it strengthens you. It, it helps you. It encourages you. In the fellowship that God intends for us to have. Amen. Then it says also in breaking of bread. Now we know that from this text that it means two different things here. Because later on down in verse 46 it says they continued daily with one accord in the temple breaking bread from house to house. There, it, it, it relates to fellowshipping together and taking a meal together. And it, it uh, pertains to, in this particular verse, uh, communion. Uniting together in communion. Now, sometimes, and I know that in many formal churches, communion has become a ritual that's meaningless. And I've been in that. I've, I've seen that before. Where people just say, we're going to do communion, and they do it. And they, but it's, it's just a religious ritual. That they're going through. But there's a pattern that's given to us here. Communion is important. It's important to take those elements. To receive that uh, bread and that cup. 
There's something about uniting the body of Christ when we're united under the broken body and the shed blood of our Lord. It does something in bringing the body together. Don't neglect it. Don't neglect it. I've had people say to me before, I, I don't take communion. I don't feel worthy uh, of, of communion. And I remind people all the time that not any of us are worthy of it. Not any of us are worthy of the, of, of the, the sacrifice of our Lord. But it's, it, it brings a special closeness. When we come together, it's a reminder to us of the, of the, the great price that Jesus paid in suffering in his own body and the shedding of his blood. And when we come together to receive communion, it is not a ritual. It's not just a formality. It's a spiritual experience. It's what God has commanded us to do. This is Acts chapter 2, verse 42. So as much as he's commanded us to be baptized in the Holy Ghost, he has commanded us to take communion together. Amen. Amen. In doctrine, in fellowship, in breaking of bread. Amen. And as often as you do it, do it, doing it, remembering him, remembering what he did, as often as you do it, do it examining your own self. And there's a pattern that's given to us in the New Testament for communion. And we don't do communion every Sunday. And we don't do communal communion. <laughs> Uh, some like Arlene and different ones that's been to some of these European countries, uh, Sister Huff, they have one big cup. Now, when that would happen, it only happened to be one time. I really wanted to be at the head of the line uh, when they were passing the cup around. I either wanted to be at the head of the line or I wanted to sneak out of the building uh, when that happened. Uh, but their, their, uh, their idea is that we're all drinking of the same cup. They were all bound together. And I understand that their idea of unity and binding together, they would break the bread of, one, of the same loaf and then drink of the same uh, cup. And I, I understand what they were doing. But we have our own individual cups around here. <laughs> Praise God for that. I don't want to drink. I don't want to drink after you. I really don't. But I do want to take communion, and I want to do it with my heart before the Lord to draw closer to the Lord and to see the body of Christ draw closer to the Lord. Amen. And then the fourth thing in that verse is prayer. And I think we all know that prayer is the force. Prayer that is the communion that we have with the Lord. We talk to him and we listen to his voice when we pray. We don't do all of the talking, but we wait before the Lord. We're sh we get shut in with God in a secret place and we hear the voice of the Lord. You can do that. Everyone can do that. And if you're too busy for prayer, you're just too busy. You need to find a time and find a place and make a time and make sure that you spend some time with the Lord. Even if it's in the car or wherever you are, that you're on your own. Take that time to call upon the Lord in prayer. And it's the power, it's the, it's the resource that we have that we draw from him. We, we, we get connected with that heavenly resource whenever we seek the Lord. But notice then, when they followed this pattern, what happened? Fear came on every soul. When they followed this pattern, 
then there is this fear of God. There's no fear of God today. There's no awe of the things of God. There's only disrespect in many cases of the things of God and the word of the Lord. But when we follow the pattern of the New Testament, then the fear of the Lord, there's a, a reverence that comes back to the people of God and to the house of the Lord. Amen. Praise God. So there's a return to the fear of the Lord and to the reverence of the things of the Lord. Fear came on every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Supernatural things begin to take place when they follow the pattern. If we'll follow the pattern, then we'll see signs and wonders and miracles. We'll see God showing himself mighty and powerful in our midst in healings and miracles and great demonstrations of his mighty power. Amen. Let's follow the pattern, amen, of the word of the Lord. So there was a return to the fear of the Lord and a return to the supernatural uh, signs and wonders uh, that came uh, to them. And all that believed were together and had all things common. Now this is not talking about socialism. It's not talking about socialism. If you remember, this was, this was a church that was absolutely dependent on God and on one another. And there were a lot of people that were in desperate need. They didn't have what they needed. And the, their brothers would look around and say, oh, they need this. They need some food or they need help in this respect. And it just meant that they, they didn't think that their possessions were so precious to them that they were more important to them than the people around them that were in need. Yes. It wasn't socialism. It was absolute necessity and need that many people had and so they were willing then to share what they had it says they had all things common they they uh, uh sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need they they were willing to sacrifice so they could minister to the needs of others around them amen praise god something supernatural happens whenever People begin to give generously. Amen. I know of someone that decided, well, they went, they went to the bank and they said, I'm going to give this X number of dollars and there's a few hundred dollars in the missions conference this week. And they gave it. And a few days later, that much and even more came back to them. I know of a preacher that was here in the missions conference that came to me, actually called me after they left. They said, I came to the missions conference to give this year. I said, well, that sounds wonderful. And they said, I actually went to the bank and got $1,000 in $50 bills. And I went around to every missionary and gave them a $50 bill. Wow. Something happens when the Spirit of God begins to to work in people's lives and they, they want to share and give and, and bless the lives of other people. That very preacher that called me back later said, I went to a meeting right after I left and the Lord had spoken to me to give that thousand dollars to different missionaries and in that meeting, which is unheard of, that meeting, 10 times that amount was given to me in the revival. Wow. Now that's big. That's big. But that's God. 
When, when the spirit of generosity comes and people realize, I want to give, I'm going to give, I'm going to give from my heart, I'm going to give as God has spoken to me, I'm going to share with others and be a blessing uh, to others. And so there is the return of the fear of the Lord. When we follow the pattern, there's the return of the supernatural signs and wonders. There's, this, there's the return of generosity, extravagant giving. That happens because people have a heart for the kingdom of God. Then notice one more thing here. It says that they continued daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, and did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. There was the return of joy. Amen. Joy came back. Joy came because they were following the pattern that God had given to them. So we're going to stay with the book. We're going to stay with the pattern of God's word and expect that God is going to bless and meet needs for everyone as we follow the pattern that God has given to us. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that we can follow, Lord, your word. We can follow the example that's given to us by this early church and I just pray that today Lord you will speak clearly to the hearts of people in this place today and Lord that every need will be met right here in, the, in this altar in Jesus name praise the Lord now whatever your needs are today why don't we stand across the